This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So grateful to be here with you guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Now, you guys voted on the best series of the year. And then this is one of the series, Rise in the Storm, right, that you voted on. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand who voted on it. But if you did, you are blessed because that's what we're going to talk about today. And I get to do it. And it sounds like so much fun. I'm not going to pray, actually, um, because Pastor Kevin did an awesome job praying just after worship. Don't Don't you agree? So can we just say amen to that? In Jesus' name, amen. I agree totally. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Um, I think we've all been in a difficult or dangerous or, uh, you know, bad situation. didn't matter whether you caused it or somebody else caused it or, or you know, a, a, a mixture of all of those things because those things happen. But we've all been in a tough situation and needed help and needed even maybe a miracle to get out of it. One time... Many, many years ago, 33 years ago, my eldest son, who was four at the time, and I were out on Chatfield Reservoir, which is a large reservoir on the South Platte River Valley, um, all the water for Denver and that and Inglewood, uh, that's where they get their water from. And we were out in a little 12-foot aluminum V-bottom boat that was probably, I don't know, it was probably 30 years old. I had a seven-horsepower Evinrude motor on it, and uh, I don't think the compression was that high, for those of you that know about that. So I'm out there in that little motor, but what we would do is when the wind blew, it was basically when it blew from, from the west to the east, that it would push water against the dam. And when it did, the wave action, that would push minnows and small food over against it, and the trout would stack up along there, and we would troll rapalas, little lures, about this long, little rods with four and six pound tests, you know, ultralight tackle, and catch trout. And we were doing it, and it was a good day. I mean, we were just, I mean, you'd get a line in, you'd get it set up, you'd be trolling along, boom, you'd have a fish on. I was handing a rod to, to Matthew, and he's reeling them in, and we were having a great time. But the wind was beginning to rise. And I don't know if any of you out there are fishermen. Anybody fish, that a fisherman out there do a little fishing? It's hard to leave fish. You know, when they're biting, there's an old saying in fishing, don't leave fish to find fish. If you're catching fish, you better stay there and catch fish. And so it's like... Eh, it's getting windy, I should leave, oh, it's windier, I should leave. And finally it was like, you know, my better sense said, I better leave. And so I wrapped up the fishing rods, put them in the holders down below and on the sides and that, and got everything ready for the move across the lake. And it was wavy now, and so it was going to be a bit bumpy and that. And uh, So started the motor, started up, and, and, and I gunned it, man. You know, on that seven horse, when you gunned it, it went like, uh yeah, it wasn't, there was no neck snap. Now, I have a 300-horse uh, Yamaha on my boat now, and it'll snap your neck, but that's a little different boat situation than that one was. So I hit it, uh, and it stalled, which wasn't unusual. <laughs> and so I pulled it a few more times. It started up. I thought, thank goodness, because we're pretty close to the rocks, and the waves are pushing us that way. And so I gunned it again to go, you know, uh, that big gun, and, <laughs> and the shear pin gave way on the propeller. Now, if you know anything about older little outboards, that's what makes it turn and keeps it from ruining the shaft if you hit something. 
I probably hit the bottom of the sand lots of times, and it was ready to break. And when I threw all those horsepower to it, it, it popped. And now I'm like, uh, you could run the boat as hard as you wanted. It, the motor, it wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. And we're going towards the rocks, and I'm looking if for somebody else to help, nobody to help. I got a little paddle. That's about it. I cannot overcome the wind and the waves. And I'm like, uh, we're going to be on the rocks here shortly. And I have a four-year-old in the boat with me. I don't know, there are not many days that I've ever wished I didn't go fishing. But that was one day that I thought, man, I should not be out here, and this should not be happening in my life. I could come home without this boat, and my wife would be fine, but if I came home without Matthew, it was going to be trouble for me. Big trouble. And so I'm like, okay. I grabbed him. He's got his life vest on the whole time, of course. I grabbed him by his life vest, put his face right here, and I said, we're going to go over by those rocks. Real calm, because I didn't want him scared. And when we do, I'm going to set you out as high as I can on the rocks. And when I do, you just run up those rocks a ways. Yes, Daddy, I'll do that. No problem. Okay. So we're going. The first time we hit, I was braced against the side, and I reached out, and I stuck him up there. And we kind of tumbled back down the rocks, and he scampered up the rocks. And I thought, okay, I can go be with Jesus now. We're going to be okay. Somebody will find this kid eventually up here. And even if I die... My wife will still love me. Okay, and so, uh, so I'm getting ready for the next hit, and it's coming real quick. You know, we're talking three seconds later, and we hit again. And when we did, I kind of jumped, rolled, and fell out of the boat onto the rocks, scrambled up, and ran up the rocks up by where, where Matthew was at. And uh, the good thing about it is I had the bow line in my hand because I knew I needed to get the boat off from beating on the rocks. And so with each wave that hit, I pulled the boat up higher and higher on the rocks. It wasn't that heavy. And I was a lot younger and buff then, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I got it up there out of the water. And I always kept an extra shear pin, two of them in my, in my tackle box, cotter pins too. And I fixed the boat, and we waited for the rain to stop and the storm to go through. And we got the boat, we went home. Man, there were a lot of good moves that God helped me work out. To get out of that situation. And by the way, I never told his mother it happened. She said, how'd you do? We caught fish. <laughs> be quiet, Matthew. Be quiet. Daddy, it was fun being on the rocks. rocks. Hush, hush up. You don't need to talk about that. Can we go climb on the rocks again? No. Anyway, you know, it's one of those situations that uh, God really, really helped us in. And we were able to rise out of that stormy situation, that thunderstorm that came through. And we survived, and we we're grateful for that. And I know that's a little story. It was big to me then, what was going on. But I want to explain this and kind of use an analogy to kind of help talk about what I mean about rising in a storm or, or getting out of a very difficult situation. Two games, checkers. How many people have played checkers before? Chess. How many people have played chess before? Now, I'm, I'm probably more a checkers man than a chess. I don't have the patience to play chess. But uh, chess... Checkers, a lot of moves, you know, you're jumping around, you're kinging and all that stuff. Chess, there's a lot of thinking that goes on to what you do. The board is set up in such a way, the, the pieces are set up in such a way that you need to make the right moves at the right time, protect the right areas, uh, so that your king does not become captured. That's how you win in chess, is you capture the king. And basically that means that the king is no longer able to move out of danger. You've got a piece in position to kill him. And if a king can't move out, it's checkmate. But if they can't move out, it's only check. 
And so the king will move out of it and the, they'll try to get you. But when they get you in this thing called checkmate, it means there are no moves left. You're trapped with no way out. And that's the whole kind of thinking with chess uh, and, and how it works. And I just want to say, what, what happens when there are no more moves left? You lose. What happens in life, though, when the enemy is crying, checkmate to you? I got you. Those decisions you made, those decisions somebody else made, this is where you're at now, and now I've got you. This is where you're going to stay. We finished. This is what the Bible says. It says, a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus was speaking. And then he said, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. We have an enemy that is trying to put us in checkmate and destroy our lives. He's not out. He, see, the enemy comes in. He invites himself in for breakfast. But I've got news for you. When he comes in for breakfast, he brings his pajamas. He wants to spend the night. And he's trying to put you in a place that you can't get out of. Here's the order. The order of this verse, the way it's spoken, I think, is very supernatural, very powerful, revelatory. It, is, it says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's the truth. The enemy cannot kill and destroy unless he steals first. Unless he is able to steal the dream God put in your heart. Unless he's able to grab the hope. That is on the inside. Unless he's able to reach in there and get the promises of God and rip them out of your heart. Unless he steals from you first, he can't kill and destroy in your life. The order is incredibly important. Now there is, there, this, this is what Romans 8.31 says. It says, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? i got news for you. God is, uh, there's no wisdom, no counsel, and no plan that can stand against the Lord. The king always has one more move. See, we won't serve a plastic king or an ivory king, a, 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 a marble king that's on a board that can get trapped by the things of life. We serve the king of kings and lord of lords. And there is no wisdom, no plan. No purpose of the enemy that can stand against the purpose and the plan of God. See, when the enemy whispers checkmate, we need to respond to that with, I don't think so. You know, when the enemy says to me, checkmate in the area of health, physical health, I, I say, I don't think so. Because the word of God says, by his stripes we were healed. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Surely he has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. By his stripes we are healed. You tell me checkmate. I've been told checkmate physically before. I don't think so. The king has one more move. We haven't reached the end of the power and the life of the king. I'm going to ask you to help me a little bit. Can you help me a little bit? You know amens to a preacher like gasoline to a car. The more you give him, the faster he'll go. 
Amen, brother? You get out of here quicker, I'm telling you. It's just the way it works. But I'm not going to ask you to say amen so much. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. When I say checkmate in this message, I want you to say, I don't think so. We'll give it a try. Checkmate. Okay, now, I like that one. There was a good one over there. Uh, Ladies, you really need to help me in this. Ladies, just think of it this way. If your husband came home and said, I'm buying a bass boat, what would you say? With that swagger, yeah. (laughs) Dream on, big boy. (laughs) Right. I don't think so. (laughs) That's what we need here. We need to really say it with some feeling. It's going to help a lot because God is going to have the last word. Somebody say amen. See, you... See, the problem in life is you can do all you can do sometimes. You can come easily, I can come to the end of myself. You can actually get to the place where the doctors say, you know what, we've done all we can do. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I love doctors. I have good friends. We have a lot of doctors that go to our church. Doctors are on the same side Jesus is. They want you well. But the truth is they are practicing medicine because it's not perfected. And there are things doctors can, they, get, they come to the end of their rope and they go, you know what, we've done all we can do. The banker, the mortgage keeper has said to many people, especially the last 10 years, you know what, we've done all we can do. We can't adjust your mortgage anymore. We're going to take your house back. The counselor that's talking to the couple. I had a counselor call me just not too while ago. Uh, uh, horribly about a pastor. And his wife. And he told me, 28 years. I've been counseling, marriage counseling. And he said, for the first time in my life, in 28 years, I'm telling this couple, this lady, you need to get away from this guy. There's no hope. Leave. It's dangerous. And don't go back. The counselor can say, nothing else we can do. But here's the truth. You're never going to be in a place where God says, I've done all I can do. Somebody say amen. If God be for you, who can be against you? The answer to that is no one. And it doesn't matter what the situation is. God found Moses with sheep poop between his toes, hiding out on the top of a mountain, and appeared to him in a burning bush. He found Jeremiah. Jeremiah was depressed. They didn't call him the weeping prophet for nothing. Oh, everything's bad. God found him in his depression. God found Job in his dilemma. Man, there's, there's nowhere, I mean, he found Joseph in a pit. They threw him in a pit and hide him. Well, guess what? God knew where he was at. They fa- God found Daniel in a lion's den. You know that lion's den was a cave, it was a hole in the ground. What, what they did, it was, and it's very picturesque of the tomb of Jesus. It's, a, it's one of those, you know, those Christ symbols that are in the, in the Old Testament. They threw Daniel in, rolled a rock over it. You know what? God said, I know right where he is. You know what? God knows your address. He knows your dilemma. He knows your depression. He knows where to find you. And he has not given up on you yet. Somebody say amen. Your job, it's to stay full of the word. It's your job to hang on to praise. Now I'm going to tell on somebody. Somebody was sitting behind me during the service that so blessed me 
And he was saying to somebody, I don't look at him, so I don't know if he's talking to his wife or a friend or who it was. But he was talking about one of the songs and how much he liked it. This is my favorite part. He's going on. I'm thinking, like, I want to hang out with him. He just, he just, he's just like, oh, that's so good. That's your job. You know, I've seen people, one side of the room, lady has a hangnail, and she's like, oh, God, where are you at? Another lady on the other side of the room is dealing with stage four cancer, pancreatic cancer. She's got her hands up, worshiping Jesus, tears going down her face. I'll tell you, the one that's doing the right thing, one stand full of praise. That's your job. Stay full of the word. Stay full of praise. Stay connected with God, God people. That's your job. Keep your hope. See, your job is when the devil says to you, checkmate. I'll give you another shot. When the devil says to you, checkmate. That's right, man. You need to tell him no. See, it, it goes beyond just us, too. When... when uh, when, when, when the devil says checkmate, good, I'm going to stop saying it for a minute, to the, to the pregnant teenager or the girl that went ahead and had the abortion or the drug addict or the divorced or the cancer-wracked person, the church is the one that needs to say, I don't think so. It needs to be a refuge, a place where people can, can come who have lost hope and feel trapped. You know, the thing about us as people, the crazy thing about us is most of the time we don't come to Jesus until we are trapped. It's like, I, I, I didn't. I was like, oh, okay, I'm dead here. This is over. <laughs> Jesus. And so as a, as a church, you're going to get people that when they come in, they're trapped. They, might, they, they could even look like they've been trapped for a while. They might have a little between their toes is that all right to say in church too late now baby i think my wife is watching on the facebook page hi honey i love you i know i won't say that again i i know darling okay i'll get that fixed my wife helps me help me jesus he said i did i sent you sent your wife you know what you know what my wife's voice is the sexy voice of jesus But I do want to know I'm the head of our home and that she is the neck. And she turns my head wherever she wants it. No. So, I'd have thought you'd get that sooner, but it's all right. Woo. See, your destiny is greater than your devastation. It's greater than your dilemma. It's greater than your disaster. It's greater than your difficulty. And there's a lot of other D's that it's greater than. Your destiny is in God. And He has prepared good works before ordained. That means He already set them up for you to walk through them. And even when the door looks closed, locked, bolted, and boarded shut, He is the God that opens doors of destiny to the broken soul. You know, I, don't, I just don't know very many people that did not come from brokenness unto righteousness through the power of Jesus name very few really perfect people you know no problems end up over in the kingdom I'm grateful for who he is and what he does I need to move along here so your desk watch that amen over there I heard that brother 
Don't make me come down off of here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I saw some big guy get to help me later on. No. Um, your destiny depends on who you agree with. That's really what it comes down with. If you're in, if you're in it, and if you're in it up to your neck, you can agree with it and say, yeah, I'm defeated. Or you can keep that faith and not let the devil steal it and say, don't rejoice over me, O oh my enemy. Though I fall, yet I will arise again, Micah chapter 7. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise again. Come on, and that's in the power of the resurrection that we do it. Psalms 118.17 says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Here's somebody that got in agreement with what God said. He said, I shall not die. There are people that are racked in their body. And I can tell you what, you may say this and die and go be with Jesus. I get it. But I'll tell you what, I would rather go be with Jesus saying what he said than cursing God. And, and, and abandoning my beliefs in the Lord. I don't mean to be harsh, but that's just where it needs to be. Here's the truth. The king always has one more move. Uh, tell you a quick story. Let me show you a picture. This is a picture uh, called Chess Players. And this is by a guy named Moritz uh, Riesch. And uh, this was painted many, many, many years ago. And it depicts this picture. It's a real, real picture, art gallery type picture. It's actually hung in most chess tournaments now. Uh, from about 1940 on. Uh, this guy depicts the devil with the weird feather in his hat. Uh, that's supposedly the devil in the position. Of course, he has the black players because, you know, meh, how that works. This, that's silly, isn't it? This guy over here is a young man who is playing the devil in the game of chess. And that angel depicts heaven overlooking the scene. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my angel looks a lot stronger and tougher than that one right there. That's just my, that's the way I believe Six foot nine, an angel, big, doesn't look like a sissy. Anyway, moving right along. Um, I don't know what they really look like, but that's where I'm at. So here's the thing. They're, they're playing for his soul, and he's in checkmate. That's what the picture's all about. Come on! You, I forgive you for that amen, because you, you're still on board with me on checkmate. So here's what happened. Paul Morphy, who was a world chess champion, as he was uh, walking through the art gallery and saw this at one time, he and another chess player, they looked at it for a while, and the other chess player wanted to move on, and Paul said no, and he stayed there. And the story, I don't know how true all the elements of it are, but he stayed there for a while looking at the board, and it, and it was even said that he got a board, a chess board, and set it up the same way with the same players in position, and he studied the board, and he said, wait a minute. This young man is not in checkmate. Now, they don't know if when the guy painted the picture, he, he actually painted it that way on purpose, or if he actually put, thought he put the guy in checkmate and didn't do it, really. And Paul Morphy was able to find a move on the chessboard that was able to take him out of checkmate, and here's the wild part, actually helped him to win the game. Why? Because the king always has somebody one more move. And that's a, that's a God we serve, the Jesus we serve, that he is so powerful and so important. And if you look at Scripture, and as you begin to look at it through Scripture, you see 
It, it just The Old Testament is full of this move and counter move. And, and you might go to Exodus chapter 14 and see Moses and the children of Israel. They, they, they've, they've, they've left Egypt and they've taken all their stuff and they've taken a lot of the Egyptian stuff too. And, 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 they're, and they're going and they're going to go to the promised land that God promised them. And they're, and they're going and when they get there they hit the Red Sea and, and they can't go north because of the enemies there. And they can't go south because of the desert. And behind them coming they see the dust cloud of the armies of Egypt coming down and they begin to panic and they have nowhere to go and Moses panics so he's the leader and this is what Moses says it's uh, God says to Moses why are you crying out to me tell the people to get moving <laughs> love that like where and then he says pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Somebody say dry ground. Isn't it crazy? I, I don't know if you ever noticed that when you read that before. But they walk across on wet rocks or muddy ground or slippery moss. They walked across on dry ground. Just about like that guy did right there. That's a miracle. God not only split the sea, he de- dehumidified the bottom. And we know what happened next is it closed in on the Egyptians and completely delivered them. Because, why? Because the king always has one more move. In, in Samuel 17, uh, 1 Samuel 17, we see all the Israelites trembling and saw their king trembling. And there's a, armies of the Philistines are on the other side. And they've got this hero, this champion, Goliath. He's nine foot six, which is shorter than my angel, by the way. But anyway, he's got this giant over there, nine foot six, and, and he's a massive man. And he says, and he's a warrior his whole life. He said, I'll fight any one of you guys. And they're like, no, I ain't doing it. King's saying, I'm not doing it. And some, some boy, some 17-year-old kid, some teenager, that's why teenagers are so valuable, one of the reasons. They ain't got sense to know they can't do something great for God. Thank goodness, we need him. And he looks at that guy, he said, he's delivering cheese to his brothers, and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God? He said, I'll, I'll knock his block off. His brother said, shut up. Somebody heard it and took him to the king. They said, you really think you can? He said, no problem. I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I've had my back against the wall. I've been trapped lots of times. You know what? God got me out of everyone. I'll go kill him with a slingshot. And did. Move, counter move, move, counter move. (laughs) That's great. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. Uh, You know those lion's job? You know the the lions that lived in that den? That means there's a hole in the ground with, with with, with lions down in it. And their job is to eat what you throw in. That's all they do. And so the king ends up through trickery having to throw his good friend Daniel down in the, in the lion's den. They throw him in, put a rock over it. Again, a picture of Jesus. And what happens? The next morning they get up. Daniel's sitting down there, you know. King yells down in there, you know, what happened? And, and Daniel said, God shut the mouths of the lions. They took him out. This is what the king said. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. Why? Because a king always has one more move. Jonah in the belly of a fish. And the last little example on that I'll give. 
I don't know what you'd think about that, but being swallowed by a fish, that, that does not sound good to me. So he gets swallowed by a fish. That sounds pretty hopeless. What's your next move? <laughs> you know, light a fire like on the cartoon? It doesn't work that way. Well, he repents in his heart. And God has a fish swim over to where he's supposed to be and puke him out on the beach. See, your storm, your problem that you're in, God can actually turn it so far, it actually gets you where you're supposed to be. It's an incredible picture. The king always has one more move. And whether you're in debt or you've lost your job or your marriage is in trouble or a loved one is dying or, or, you, are, or you have an addiction that racks you with shame, the message to you today is the king has one more. He's not finished with you. He's not done. See, our move is simple obedience. Use the example of a staff. What did God say to Moses when, when Moses was at the Red Sea? He says, take your staff and hold it over the water. I could do that. See, your job is to do simple obedience. It's his job to do the miraculous. What happens when he was before the magicians and, and they were they were doing their thing and all that was going on. God said to Moses, throw it down. It's not hard to do. What did God say? Pick it up. It's a little harder when it was a snake, but all you got to do, sometimes it's hard to do what God says. But it's still simple obedience. All you got to do is what God says. And then what happens when you do that? Well, you allow the king to have that one more move in your life. See, all of, the, all of the Old Testament was move, counter, move, move, counter, move, move, counter, move. I've listed a lot of them. And then 400 years, the Bible tells us, what we understand, theologians tell us that there was a 400-year period between the end of the Old Testament and when Jesus came. So what did we have? We had all these things, move, counter, move, move, counter, move, move, counter, move, all the way through the Old Testament. And suddenly they're sort of at an impasse, almost like the picture that we had up there where heaven is looking, the enemy on one side, God on the other side. And all wondering, is there another move? And God sends his son, Jesus. And he begins to preach, repent and live. And begins to love people. People are getting healed. People are getting raised from the dead. Sin is getting de defeated. I mean, it's like that woman that gets thrown at Jesus' feet. I just got news for you. If you want to condemn somebody, don't throw them at Jesus' feet, all right? If you want to kill somebody, don't throw them. take them to denominational headquarters or, you know, ship them over to ISIS or, you know, take them to some mean religious person. But, but you throw somebody in trouble at Jesus' feet, guess what you get? Somebody's going to get set free. But move, counter move, and Jesus comes, and it's incredible until Jesus gets nailed to a cross. Until he breathes his last. Until he's buried in a tomb. And for three days hell celebrated. And they were saying checkmate. Good call. I'm going to give you another chance. Now get on tune here buddy. Checkmate. And hell kept saying it. And heaven kept saying it. And three days later that tomb began to rattle. And Jesus Christ came out of there. Why? Because the king had one more move and the truth is most of that all revolves around God setting up the enemy for defeat 
He's doing the same thing in your life right now. If you will but yield to his will in your life. Bow your heads for just a moment. As you're thinking about that, mention this too in closing. In Ecclesiastes, there are 28 seasons mentioned. Time to live, a time to die, time to cry, time to laugh. Go right through them all, time to be born. All, all time, you know, it's just in there. But in the 28 seasons in Ecclesiastes, there's not a season to quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. The king has one more move. And I'd also like to say, if you're here today and you, are, you feel trapped, and you haven't given your heart and life to Christ, you haven't, you haven't decided to, to live for him, you haven't decided to give an opportunity to actually see if Jesus Christ is real, I just want to offer you that opportunity today before we go home to, to say, Lord, I want to I try this Christian life. I need help. If you're here today and, and you need Jesus, you know you need Jesus. Only, only you know for sure. You're here, you need Jesus, and you're willing to say, I want to be in your family, God. I just want you to take your hand and raise it above your head if you would. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, folks. God bless you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me. I see those hands. You can put them back down. Anybody else say, that's me. I need Jesus. Don't let fear, don't let shame, don't let pride stop you. Just say yes to him. Let's all pray together. Everyone in the room, pray this with me. Father God, everyone in the room, out loud, say this with me. Father God, thanks for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. And Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Somebody say amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.